Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. Check us out on Twitter at at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. So let's get right to it. Um, this week on More to Come, basically the week in comics controversy, and then we'll go to the briefs. Uh, and boy, oh boy, there's plenty of controversy. Um, uh, trolls, comics, um, <laughs> harassment. Harassment, uh, It yeah. seems like we've had this Everything. show before. Our cover's too violent, our cover's too uh, sexist, our cover's too this. Where do we start? Where do we start, uh, yeah. Shall we start with the the Batgirl cover? Sure. That seemed to be... Actually, that tipped off. That seemed to trigger a lot of the subsequent controversy, to be honest. Um, so... Uh, that started a couple weeks ago with a variant cover for the Batgirl comic, which is currently uh, written by Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher and drawn by Babs Tarr as more of a throwback, kind of a mm-hmm. cheerful, kind of a girl hero comic, such yeah. as were common in comics throughout yeah, the more 40s and 50s kinda. and yeah. even to some extent the 60s, but... Um, Anyway, the cover was by artist Raphael Albuquerque, and it was a throwback to The Killing Joke, a story by Alan Moore and Brian Bolland, in which Batgirl was terrorized by the Joker, definitely physically and perhaps sexually. uh, That was implied a little bit. And the cover showed her uh, bloody, crying, and terrified. And um, a lot of people object to the cover, saying that wasn't the right fit for the book. Uh, and uh, even the creative team kind of came out and said that they had not wanted the cover. When they saw it, they did not feel it was appropriate for the tone that the book now has. Uh, it turned out that a different department at DC actually had okayed the cover, and uh, the artist Raphael Albuquerque came out and said that he had not meant to cause offense, and um, he had asked that the cover be withdrawn, and so it was. And so... This made uh, most people happy, I have to say, uh, but then perhaps a vocal minority uh, has engaged in this Save the Cover campaign, which is tied in with a lot of today's wonderful subcultures, such as Gamergate uh, and uh, you know other mm-hmm. uh, non-progressives, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, in a nutshell. And it seems, yeah, it seems to be, and in this, that's spreading all. I mean, I mean, we can address the Batgirl cover itself. I mean, uh, I mean, it's interesting that they would choose this cover, uh, particularly since you know Batgirl's been sort of recast in a more, a more tug in cheek, uh, lighthearted, lighthearted, younger way. audiences. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a fun series. It's kind of an old fashioned in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Batman slash Batgirl. Uh, that that said, um, I mean, once again, I'm, I'll just put myself as the um, you know as the old fart comic book fan. I mean, comic book heroes are very often covers display them completely, you know, uh, at the mercy of some building, uh, some villain. Uh, once you open the cover, you see the, the roles are always reversed. I mean, the, the the hero comes out on top, and 
So while I certainly understand the shock at seeing that kind of a of a cover, uh, you, you you just wonder. Well, well I think, really. Let me let me throw in one little fact yeah. here that was not necessary, which I confirmed. This is reported, and I actually confirmed it myself that uh, the original cover by Albuquerque was deemed not. Uh, didn't go far enough by the editor and it was the editor or art director who requested that some of the elements such as the gun pointing down and the uh, more extreme expression by Batgirl um, that be added so just to kind of clarify that there was more there was actual decision making involved on the part of DC uh, to make it a little bit more extreme and and you know mm. triggering as they say, but I'm sorry, Kate, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, you. I just yes, to but I, I, I think I'm not sure I think the people changes the discussion. Anyway. Well, I, mean, I think well, partly because it says that it's an institutional culture thing, not just one artist's choice. Yes, and but the culture is to usually they have dramatic covers. Yeah, but I think I think the reason that it bothered a lot of people is that this kind of book, a lot of people were treating it like their happy place, hmm. like. Like the idea that some books are books where people get menaced and in sort of vaguely sexualized ways and stuff, and other books are not. Yeah. And the idea that I think this struck home in a nowhere is safe. Like if you read a superhero comic, like they're just gonna put this on the cover of whatever because that's just the culture. I, the, I don't... the the. Official and comic also, And also, Gate, isn't there a long history of controversy over the Killing Joke and yeah. Barbara Well, it's it's also oh, sure. because I mean, well, there was a certain amount of controversy after the New Fifty Two of of fixing Barbara Gordon's spine, but at the same time not making her Oracle. Um, you know, there there were very mixed feelings among fans of both genders about that, but the one plus was that it was like. The Joker didn't win in the killer jo- killing joke. She healed, and and you know, but this is like ah, the healing killing joke wasn't it great? Let's have a tribute cover, and you know, like fans of that comic are not going to be fans of the killing joke. I, I find it very unlikely the fans of this comic are going to be fans of the killer joke because they're going for two completely different demographics. And so I can see that people who like this specific comic saw that cover as a slap in the face. Now, what was the actual story about? Because I admit I haven't had a chance to read. What in this Batgirl book? Yeah. it's not even out yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the book isn't out. The cover was announced. So the cover is the only thing people have right, to go on. Right. Well, well but, but they're criticizing the cover itself. They're yeah. criticizing it as a piece of art that isn't representative. As is the creative team on the book. With Stewart went mm-hmm. took to Twitter. Cameron Stewart took yeah. to Twitter and and made that clear. And um, you, you know, I mean, he also said. Uh, in one of the Twitters, he said, you know, this is the hardest book, I've, the hardest thing I've ever done in my career, uh, and not just for, get, you know, the writing. And I mean, this book has sort of become uh, like the bellwether of change for the demographic that we've been talking about. You know, how, what have we been doing this podcast three years, right? Three years? Four uh, years? Three years. Three years. Three years. Three years. Well, yeah, anyway, I think Early. three years. I think 2012. Anyway. Anyway, we've been doing it for years. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have been very much tracking the yeah. the diversity issue in comics. And, um, y- you know, I mean, it's definitely we represent, you know, as a group, you know, none of us are the typical white man 
who who reads comics, you know? Yeah, we diversify. Yeah, you can say from, that for sure. Yeah, we can do, we do divert from that that stereotype in various ways. But um, but uh, anyway, we don't represent that. We've been covering this for a long, long, long time, and I think that Batgirl especially has become kind of the uh, poster child yeah. for for this this new one of them. Di- yeah, one of them for the new diversity. And you know, like in one of the issues, they had a villain who was a um, transvestite—not necessarily transsexual, just transvestite. Yeah, kind of a cross-dresser. Cross-dresser, yeah. and that got huge. Um, it was that fun. Got a it lot was a of, funny issue. I read well, it. a lot of people who are <laughs> actually it. trans did not like that. They didn't issue. like it. Well, I, I, I think that it's it's a pitfall, and you just have to. It's a growing pain. Mm. If you are trying to attract an audience, which is normally repelled by your more laddish comics and you say hey here is our fun girl-friendly comic that is like light-hearted and fluffy and woo and you know like you're gonna be happy about it you know young idealistic people and then you put something in that's ham-handed that that audience would not like and that is not what you were selling the book it's, as it's almost, that people will react differently than they yeah, would in a different really comic. Ham-handed? I mean uh, was there only criticism of that issue I thought it was a. I thought it was fresh, and and I I, I can't even ever remember a Batman issue taking on cross dressing or even well, incorporating was, it as a plot. There thread. was a you know there was but, uh, a lot of very heartfelt, um, very heartfelt, well, you know, very specific criticism of the issue. There, I mean, I mean that doesn't. You can argue about whether it was a good idea or not, but these arguments probably wouldn't come up with a different kind of book. Yeah, but when you're writing a book aimed at a specific audience that is sensitive to these issues, you have to expect that sometimes you're going to get some controversy that you wouldn't get doing the same yeah. thing in a different You book. know, I, I don't have any... I, I have no issue with people speaking up against things that no, happen. Of but, not. but I just am like... Like, you know, what is the role model for all this? Has ever any piece of art been created that was actually acceptable to all people everywhere, no. anywhere on Earth? No, because but that's no. what I just keep seeing. You know, but, we have other controversies to come that, that also talk instance, about But that. I have no problem with people saying, you know what, I don't like this cover. And you know what, I just don't like it. But what I, I what, what seems to be happening now, and, and, and I will say this, I think this is, one of the things the internet has done has, has empowered fans, and I think overwhelmingly for the good because that's what this stuff is created well, for. You know what, However, but the ability to, sh- to basically to, to shut people up and to boycott over purely aesthetic choices, not that they shouldn't be in comp- completely discussed and argued over, but I, I, it just seems to me more like, you know, you that they're it's, it's, it's becoming almost mob-like. Well, I think frankly that comics fans... Ever and always for for you know going on eighty years now are not reasoned uh calm True. <laughs> gentle people like you you, don't, you get hyperbolic arguments with people saying this is the worst thing ever and everyone swearing to not buy it and controversies and blood in the streets and so on and the internet just makes it easier to do all well, of this. Well, I'm not sure that happened 80 years ago. You know, I'm sure there were a few kids hanging out at the newsstand who came out and said, um, you know, what is this Batman character in Detective Comics? I don't like it. You know, yeah. this isn't my Detective uh, Comics. When they had liked issues 26 of Detective I mean, Comics. Oh, okay. I okay. Okay. But, but, I, but the I, internet is a funnel. But that it, kid was yes. considered a weirdo. Let's be honest about Well, yeah, that. okay. Well, then, by the time there were comic book shops, since yeah. the time yeah. there was such a thing as a comic book convention, the people who yes. are, you know, old enough the to... The super fan. 
what? You don't even need to be a super, super fan. You just need to be a, a regular reader. Right. A regular reader who's over, say, 14 or so. This happens. Well, let's... Like, surprise, no, surprise. No, I remember, guys, we would we would argue vehemently, like, you know, I, there were certain inkers that Kirby used that I loved. There were certain inkers that used it that I hated. And we, like, we argued about it. But you know what? It was a handful of us sitting in a somebody's basement, you know. Yeah. I mean, we yeah, this allows all the basements to connect all over the right. world. This allows all the basements to connect. All right, and, Kate, and, Kate, put that on a T-shirt, all right? Please, you know, you know? Uh, for better and but for worse. Link all of these the basement. basements up, and yes. that's a huge, you know, lobbying force. Yeah, well, many different lobbying forces. All the different demographics and opinions yes. can well, get together well, and me, can be as loud as they like. Well, let me let's as we continue to discuss uh, this this um, this phenomenon. Let me move on to one of our next controversies, as that kind of touches on this a little bit. Where yeah. Eric Larson, the artist of uh, Savage Dragon for a hundred years, and um, uh, went on a Twitter rampage, and uh, the one that seemed to get the most. Um, attention was one where he said, uh, you know, costumes should not be changed on the basis of a vocal minority in the fan base. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. But, um, you know, this was widely thought to be referring to Batgirl with her new, um, you know, yellow Doc Martens costume instead of the high-heeled boots that she wore for a long time. And uh, he got a lot of internet flack about this as one might be expected he briefly stormed off twitter in a huff and then came back the now oh, the flounce yes and then he <laughs> flounced back and uh come you know kind of just trying to explain himself then he went and did an interview where he talked about it and it a lot you know listen i i don't think people should lose lose you know i'm old-fashioned i don't think people should lose their jobs over one tweet okay uh, and, I agree. And, he shouldn't lose his job, well, but no, no, if people no, but, yell at him, they right, can right, get free. No, well, let me finish the story because, because you know, in this interview, he was a lot more uh, nuanced mm-hmm. about it and said that uh, what he was talking about was that costume design was more important than, um, you know, it being politically correct, I guess. He didn't really use those terms, but he was just talking about how you could draw... Uh, a costume in a slutty way, even if it covered a lot of skin, and you could have a more revealing costume drawn in a very non-slutty way. And I think he did use the word slutty. Now, you know, this interview is very reasonable. The problem with it was that it appeared on a site that's really mm. known as a Gamergate men's rights Which one? site. Yeah. yeah, Reaction. Which one? And yeah. uh, Reaction. Oh. Our, 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 which well, I, at least it wasn't the red pill. Yeah. Or it's as long as these 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 uh, sites that has that Matt Keeper ad pop up when you go on it, so mm. which I don't like. But uh, you know, of course, Larson was immediately criticized about this, and he uh, said, "Learn he, to Google, dude." He said, "I didn't know." You know, they asked me to do Learn an interview. Learn to Google. He says they're the only people who asked him to do an interview about the topic. Uh, now. Yeah, I would say also learn Google. I mean, uh, you know, Eric Larson, uh, you know, props to him for 100 plus issues of Savage Dragon. You know, this isn't the first time he's been a troll. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in the early days of Image, he was definitely known as being writing. He wrote a very incendiary letter to the Comics Buyer's Guide. Uh, You know, he joined in on the general image comic, early image comics uh, controversy over Peter David. They hated him. For some reason, uh, yeah, you know, it's twenty five years yeah. ago. But well, you know, I think it's it's the old troll trick of put out a little bait, mm-hmm. then walk it back once everyone gets mad, right? And but, be like, I have no idea what I you're talking about. Now, there is a little bit of background here. DC has done or has announced a bunch of costume changes 
And indeed, many of them of both genders are supremely, superbly ugly and ill-advised. Oh, they're awful. They're just awful. I mean, they... I mean, we make fun of Liefeld costumes from the 90s, but dear God, these are not any better. Um, I, I don't know what crazy pills they were taking when they designed these. So, you know, aesthetics are definitely important in costumes. I will agree with Eric Larson on that I, absolutely. one. Absolutely. He... he, um, he, he... He makes some very cogent arguments, but, you know, a guy who was so clueless as to not even know what kind of site he's doing an interview for, uh, mm. maybe you should ask him. But, you know, I, I don't even think, I think the triggering words that Larson used was the vocal minority. Because what we were talking about previously about the fans, you know, the, 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 the United Basement of America, is that there is the idea that these people who are complaining about everything are a vocal minority, which is partly true because it's always the smallest group that sits around in the street corner like Calvin did mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. argues. But, um, you know, the readership of comics has absolutely become more diverse. This just isn't, an, you know, it's at least gender-wise, it's become so much more diverse that that can't be argued anymore. Yeah, I mean... I, I'd like to say, I mean, I think... Arguing on the internet is a great thing. What I don't like is the is the uh, is the is the overshaming. I'm not even against shaming. Or what I'll say, overshaming the 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 seemingly mob mentality, um, uh, the, the notion of the super moralist that if I don't like something, then it has to be suppressed. That I don't like. Now, as far as costumes are concerned, as far as I'm concerned, that's a perfectly legitimate um, uh, topic. To go yeah, crazy arguing over, and we, you can decide for yourself uh, how bad they are. But I think that this is an aspect of the new readers in comics: is that you know what? Yeah, you may not like the way these new costumes are designed, but the notion that the old costumes are so well designed—I mean, well, I think that's dubious well, as well. Well, I mean, we can we can go through a whole lot of examples, uh, but. This is great. I think arguing about these costumes, in fact, I think offering up possible alternatives are, is a great thing for yeah. comics fans to be yeah. arguing about. I, I think he was he was baiting audiences. He knew that it would get his phrasing. Mm-hmm. His that that his phrasing was incendiary, and then when people would blow up, he could be like, "I'm actually saying something very reasonable," and well, then he could say something. Well, I reasonable. agree with you on that. I, and, I don't doubt that we and, see that over. And well, over. I don't think this is a high crime, and I don't hate him for it or anything. Unlike some other people who have gotten blowback from the internet, um, I I'm kind of like, dude, you know, you go on an MRA website, you you dogsle cues out there in order to start controversy if you get yourself a pile of controversy well you know whatever them's business yeah um you know i mean i'm sure he got a lot of pr a bunch of people who don't know who didn't previously know who eric larson is now do uh congrats eric larson um this one that particular one i'm seeing is like a non-news event like Mm -hmm. somebody gets the comic people mad at them right walking back yeah go ahead some Troll-like statements. The the whole yeah. the Chris Sims. Yeah, but you Garazio know what? Uh, before, yeah, let, you know, let's get to that. But just before I move on from this, because I think this is really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. That that you know, Larson was saying this. There was also on Facebook. This didn't get a lot of attention. There was so much happening. There was literally no time to keep up with all the controversy. <laughs> I know. But uh, you know, J. Scott Campbell, who's another artist of uh, you know younger than Larson. Well, I think he's about maybe the same age, maybe a little bit younger. Another like image classic. Yeah. He also said similar yeah. things where where he but he was saying that the vocal minority was trying to get rid of you know sexy comics and that was terrible and and then he mixed it up with 
uh, female cartoonist, and they were going back in a flame war, and then uh, there was oh, a lot of there was sakes. some other there was a, a bunch. I mean, for a minute there, every time I went on Facebook, it was like this generation gap. You know, I well, mean, literally between that's true. And I do think that that what we're not understanding is literally the attitudes of the comics readers who came in reading from reading manga. And graphic novels that, you know, Calvin and I have been here in the front lines covering at Publishers Weekly for the last decade and a half, um, that those readers who came in have a very different view of comics yeah. than than the the people who came in solely through superheroes and yeah. comic shops. And the, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a culture clash. But it's interesting, though. I am curious about this notion of, of uh, you know, uh, the tastefulness of costumes um, big, uh, you know, uh, fan service, be it Western variety versus Japanese variety, because I mean, many of these new fans are manga fans, and it's well, yeah. not as though there's some but, tradition but, of tasteful but, costumes. Yes, but in, it depends in, on what manga, manga or anime. Ma- manga and anime vary very widely, depending on the t- the genre of manga and anime and the projected audience. But but also. I think yeah, yeah but they have, absolutely but, full but, of, like, nobody, but risque but, costumes. But yeah, but yeah. it depends on which one you're watching but it's all, or which well, one you're so reading. Some do, comics. some don't. But but, but, <laughs> but, you're, but manga listen, I don't think that people reading manga are expecting it's it's more subtle than that. It's not that people who grew up reading manga expect comics to, you know, cover it up and not have hentai or, you know, all that. No, stuff. They certainly don't. They don't, but it's that's a huge part of it. I think what they expect is that comics are going to speak to them on a far more intimate level. Oh, sure. And a lot of these people just have a very you know a lot of women it's a lot of women it's a lot of people who do not have the traditional superhero background and I mean it has nothing to do with the actual content it's more of a sociological phenomenon in my opinion well I think it has something to do with the content but it's sparked by something sociological I think that if you that they don't the problem is that they're used the American comics are used to giving fan service to one demographic, yes, which is young men, true. and so are increasingly older men and older is. men, yes. men, men. They're trying absolutely. to yeah, a, a certain type of man. It's not even or a certain type of fan. It's, it's a certain reader who enters a certain generation. <laughs> absolutely, Calvin. It's a certain generation. I'm sorry, Kate. Go on. Go on. Yeah, and so they're trying to service the fans, and they're they're trying new for new fans. But they don't know yet. They haven't completely cracked the code. Sometimes they have some lapses they don't really understand what fan service would work for the different demographics they're marketing different books to like they totally get the male gaze they're a little shaky on the female gaze and so when you get fans to love something that you're creating passionately and when you tell them in your marketing in your packaging, in the comic. This comic is for you. Right. We're making it for your demographic. It's for you. It's for you. And indeed, there are a limited number of comics that are, quote-unquote, for you. So, you know, women are going like, oh, especially very young women, very young women, and sometimes teenage girls are going, okay, these are the comics we're going to read because these are the ones that have a girl on the cover and she's not in a bikini and so, and I like superheroes, so this one's for me, right? And then... When they read something in there, or they see something in there that is goes very counter to their aesthetics and their expectations and their desires, they feel betrayed. They feel like, you said this was for me, but you're putting some 
stupid girly comic art in here, which I was not expecting. They, it's, it's that it's it's a growing pain, right? It's that they don't well, I, necessarily, they want to pander, they do, yeah. they do want to pander, but they sometimes accidentally get their pandering tools mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it may have something to do with the editors that are running these books who haven't had maybe enough experience actually creating content for these new and, audiences. You know, and I mean, just, that yeah. seems to be what we're yeah. saying. And just yeah. to jump in here for a minute, I mean, D.C. Uh, you know, was moving to the West Coast in a, in a week and a half, actually, and they will. They have announced a few hires, such as uh, and Andy. Well, this is a good segue, actually. Uh, the, Jamie Rich, who used to be editor in chief at Oni and has been a writer since then. Oh, that's uh, I didn't know Very, that. very. He's going to Vertigo. Uh, Rebecca Taylor, who was an mm. editor at Archaea, uh, worked and Boom worked on a lot of their very different books. And uh, Andy Curry, who was formerly the editor in chief of Comics Alliance, the website, and a very big critic of DC for a lot of the stuff they done, has actually been hired as a as a, an a editor there. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is a fresh viewpoint yeah, for, for DC. So, I mean, we're seeing a very, uh, you know, these people come from such a different background than traditional, you know, what is thought of as the traditional comic so editor. Superhero comics. Yeah, so, for I mean, sure. we're definitely going to see some uh, some you know diversity is happening. But yeah. speaking of Comics and, Alliance. But we're in a transition uh, was, period. Was, oh, oh, go on, Kate. Oh, I'm sorry. All I was going to say is that in response to you saying, like, is there anything that doesn't doesn't set people like this off? Actually, a lot of things. Like, Boom doesn't get this kind of blowback. Archaea doesn't get this kind of blowback. Um, you know, large chunks of Marvel Comics have managed to not get this blowback. Certain chunks of DC and Vertigo have managed to not get this blowback. It's specific writers and artists and editors who may mean well and be producing good work, but are unfortunately hitting certain audience triggers, which they may not even know are there. And they're finding out the like, hard way. Like they're Marvel finding out Spider Woman cover the really hard way. <laughs> you but, know, but yeah, but yeah absolutely, yeah. A- absolutely. I mean, we are in a transitional period. These things happen. Yeah. And the only thing I find really disturbing is just how vicious things can get. Well, that seems to be the world we live in now. Sad to say, and it's, it's and it's not just the women who are being vicious. It's Unfortunately, a certain demographic of the men oh, yeah. who then feel that like people criticizing a cover and saying, I don't like it, and even the artist didn't like it that much, um, is like a personal attack on them and their way of life and all comics that are aimed at them yeah. forever. Right. Yeah. Well, I, you know, another big controversy this week uh, spun out of the Batgirl controversy a little bit in that it seemed to be, it did seem to trigger a lot of feelings. And, uh, you know, Comics Alliance, and what Kate is talking about is, uh, you know, Gamergate. And, of mm-hmm. course, we, we've been talking about that. That's been going on since last, yeah. you know, almost Ugh. a year now, hard to believe. And there have been various attempts to la- launch Comic Gate or Comics Gate. Uh, none of them have really taken. But apparently some people in the Gamergate movement are trying to gin up some controversy in the mm-hmm. comics world. And one of the things they did was... Uh, unearth um, a blogging feud from back in the long ago days of uh, 2008 where uh, Chris Sims uh, who has his own blog called the uh, you know I can't, I can't remember what it's called I'm sorry yeah I can't Apologize remember either, either. Yeah, we don't read it I, I was reading the stuff and uh, but anyway he now writes quite a bit for Comics Alliance or did 
And uh, he had a blog feud with Valerie DeRazio, who is a mm. former uh, editor at DC and has written extensively about the horrible sexism she encountered while working at DC, including Identity Crisis, which she was an editor on. And, uh, you know, one of her best posts to me was the one where another male staffer at DC ran in to the meeting room yelling, the rape pages are in, excitedly. Oh, and, oh, um, fabulous. Yeah, but anyway, Chris and Valerie had a big... Well, Chris kept picking on Valerie. So Valerie came out this week, or last week, on Twitter, talking about how she had been harassed and bullied by Sims during this period to the point where she now had PTSD, and her therapist had explained that online criticism... Uh, you know, triggers her PTSD. And a lot of it had been over a comic that she wrote for Marvel called uh, Punisher Max Butterfly. Yeah. And but didn't start with because she saw that Sims was going yes. to be writing yes. because Sims, a new yes. Marvel has, has series. She was a little bitter. And she was unhappy. And frankly, I don't blame yes, her. I don't blame her either. You know, that he had, she felt that he had tanked her career and now he was sailing right. off into the Which, sunset. Yes. She felt like he, she had been abused and harassed by him Which, repeatedly Which she admitted yeah. right away. Which she admitted right away. Yeah. And now, I don't know if you guys have seen this. You probably haven't. But then just a few hours ago, uh, Dorazio uh, went on Tumblr and talked about the fact that the editor who hired her at Marvel for Punisher was the same editor as does a podcast with Sims, and he's the one who hired Sims to write this uh, this this X Men '92 book that he's doing for the Secret Wars tie-in. So you know, I mean, I think her point was that there's so many interlocking circles right. of all of this stuff and. Yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, she's taken but, it I very mean, part personally as well. She said. Part of the story also is that supposedly, uh, since it's a changed man, that he has disavowed these posts, uh, although he seemed to not find it necessary to go directly to her and apologize for she, them at any she point. Deci- he decided to apologize to, to her, her husband, husband. But that which was, was an interesting choice. But that was because... Her husband, who is writer David Gallagher, had written to Sims to warn him that the Gamer Gators were digging up this old feud to discredit Comics Alliance, okay? Yeah. Now, Comics Alliance came out and said all this, that, and they said that that Sims had apologized and that they felt he was a changed man and he was a voice for a progressive. I mean, I don't really give... And they kind of cast themselves as being victims as well because of, of Gamergate. And you know what? I really don't think that washes. I mean, I think... I think that has nothing to do with the Valerie DeRazio situation. And most surprisingly of all to me is that Rachel Edidin and Laura Hudson, who are, I think Laura hired uh, Sims at Comics Alliance, came out and were like, I mean, Laura's was more nuanced, but Rachel was like very honest. She says, here's a really good friend of mine and he's been a harasser and I don't know what to say, but nobody pick on Valerie. And, you know, I, I just... <sighs> You know, it's, it's harassing it's is terrible. And tell it's your friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, I think look, I think saying like nobody pick on Valerie is an important. If you don't like somebody's work, talk about their work. But this need to go follow them around the internet and badger them and and yeah. it's just craziness. It's mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. Yeah. I mean, I this thought I can't come back now years later and say, well, you know, I didn't mean it at the I or, or, or I, I've changed. I mean, he can say that, but then but I don't see any reason why she should. Should, no. should not make it public. Though. Right. I, yeah, I, mean, I, not, I think was, I think was an awful jerk. Right. He was he was inexcusably awful. I do think that he's doing the only thing he can at this point, but that won't stop it from haunting his career, and it won't mean she should you know, forgive him. You know, listen, or I, it shouldn't haunt his career. 
Well, you know, sometimes I say things here on our podcast that I don't say in print. This is one of them. I think maybe it should haunt Chris Sims' career that he's basically been the most entitled fanboy yeah. for 90s comics that ever existed. Yeah. Now, he's a great writer. He is hilarious. And I'm sure he's a great guy if you're his yeah. friend. But I'm just saying, it's like, I mean, Calvin, and, yeah. you know, I have no zero interest in Chris Sims. No, right. me neither. Zero. But you know what? There's consequences yes. right. for abusive behavior. Right. I'm, and, you know... It's public now. I suspect he'll recover yeah, and yeah. move on, as we but, all will. But now it's part of his public identity. Yeah. Yes. You know, and I think that's the only consequence that really can take place in a situation like this, sadly. But I think that it's a worthy consequence mm-hmm. and that, you know, no one should forget. No yeah, one should forget. I, and he should indeed try to be a better man now. Try to be a better man. Good. Um, and But that doesn't undo what was in the past and so you know yeah i i don't think he necessarily should be forgiven or that people should do or his friends should shun him it's just nothing changes the truth of what he did no but i mean i think even what you just said kate is kind of the missing stare here which is you know what about Valerie Durazio? I mean, there is no question. You know, people, well, unfortunately, I mean, nothing can be done for her. She sounds completely traumatized. By well, I mean, you know, I, listen, I, I would say but... to you know, I'm I'm a friend of Valerie's, mm. and you know, we used to work together, and I do know her, and I I haven't, uh, you know, I mean, last time I saw her, we had a very interesting talk about a lot of things. I mean, you know, she's a human being, but I mean, she's pursuing her comics writing yeah. career. I mean, you know, if we're just saying that. Valerie is traumatized and like well too bad she's saying she's well, traumatized I, I know but that doesn't but I'm just also saying like you know what about her writing career what about you know I, I agree. yeah I mean I, unfortunately this is not the kind of thing that you get reparations for this is not the kind of thing that any good will come to her of sadly like you know all she can do is just put the knowledge out there that he did what he did to her and not let people forget but nothing's going to make it better for her. Nothing's going to change what happened. Nothing can fix it or make it good. Like it well, happened. It's, I, well, it happened. I, I would like to think that uh, you know she's not going to be traumatized just by the rest of her life. I actually think that uh, her maybe making a public statement is May some form her. of reparation and hopefully some form of therapy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so that all parties can move on. But I think that you know I'm I'm actually like you know shouldn't people maybe try to you know, offer Valerie writing work? I mean, wouldn't that be a nice way to start to make some reparations? I mean, you know. Both the people who can offer writing work maybe should. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, let's not, I I mean, I think even... Or at least consider. Right. Consider her work. Exactly. And, you know, I've always said that Valerie, she's very controversial because she speaks her mind. You know what? And God bless her. But, you know, she's a brilliant writer. And she has got some amazing, you know, I love her writing on her blog. I think she's really one of the best bloggers out there. I mean, I, I you know, she's one of the few bloggers that I'm jealous of uh, just for her natural writing skill. And, um, you know, like, like, you know, let's not just throw her on the trash heap of, you know. No, no but I just meant that this particular you know. thing. Right, right, right. But I mean, you know, people got to move forward. And I'd like to think that Valerie has a better outcome than... You know, I hope she's not traumatized as well, but I, I think that people just kind of welcoming her back into the industry as much as they can is yes. probably a good good way to say, uh, let's move yeah. on. So, uh, boy, oh boy, we've, we've yeah. had... There's... Can I just drop yes. one more thing? Just in a related uh, topic, uh, apparently there's an article on, on Salon about a sort of organized right-wing... Um, 
a counter revolutionary move mm. attacking really all of these all of the kind of moves toward diversity that we're talking about you know on sites like Breitbart these right wing oh, yeah. news media the blaze and the like <laughs> um, you know um, particularly a writer Milo Yiannopoulos I believe has a, has a long article basically attacking you know Lady Thor uh, the you know um, the Miles Morales Spider-Man yeah, well, you know he has a, the best part is that the, his correction at the end he's like uh, oh by the way Miles Morales is by Racial, yes, not yes. by sexual. I mean, a mangled argument yeah. that, that that gets a n- number of facts wrong, goes in under cover of darkness, and tries to you know, and tries to pull out all of the wrong. In any event, there is a counter revolution going on. There is a, a, a for whatever you want to, a sort of conservative reaction to this stuff. But really, this is not going to stop. All of the things we're cha- we're talking about here, the new move toward diversity, the the way our comics are changing, whether you're talking about costumes or characters. This is not going to be rolled back because the fans want this, and this is a business that's there to give the fans what they well, want. I think some of the more terrible costumes, as ever through history, <laughs> will will vanish into oh, the mists yeah. of history because yeah. they're terrible and, and no one really likes and, them. And that would include yeah. Wonder Woman's new costume, which is like looks <laughs> wrist well, spikes what? Like with the pinhouse boots. Uh, that was yeah. a bit much too, but, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, just to to roll back this a little bit, I wish I could find it and I could read it aloud, but my iPad is acting up, but. Uh, you know, there is definitely, you know, maybe we could talk about this or for hopefully we'll never need to talk about it again. But, but you know, not only is there kind of a right wing, um, you know, comics, but I mean, there's definitely some people who are trying to, to get up a comics gate. Yeah. And, uh, right you know, wing is the least of the yeah, problem. And they say that, that, you know, the, the book with the female Thor is the worst example. It's pandering, yes, pandering, pandering. Yes. It's like, you know, just like then yeah. Thor was a frog that was pandering to the amphibian reader base. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's like, I mean, have you guys, like, ugh, do you not know history? Like, people, and, you know, Thor is still in the book. He wasn't turned into yes, him. He's still in yes. the book. But anyway, and, and, uh, no, go on, Kate. Yeah, uh, and furthermore, like, do they not understand that this is how superhero comics work? Yes. That every once in a while, to shake things up a bit, somebody who is not the usual Captain America, Thor, Batman, whatever, takes on the costume for a while, and then eventually does something else in comics, yeah. and the original person gets the costume back. It's like... It's just a thing they're doing for a right. while. Well, like, take, wait yeah. a couple of years, it'll move on. All right. It's the but nature I, of it the is. beast. And there is a one of them that I, I, I can't refine the exact quote, but uh, it's funny because, you know, I've talked many times about uh, Brett Schenker, the um, political demographics uh, analyst who, who did a post of the beat where he analyzed Facebook statistics, and it came up with women being 47% of the people who like comics. And uh, this has luckily become the benchmark. And there is one of these sites where they're talking about Lady Thor, and, and it's, it's, it's like even Sorzine is it's like says, well, I guess that there are, you know, Lady Thor is terrible, pandering, blah, blah, blah. says, I guess that there are a lot more female readers, and Marvel's just trying to reach them, so... <laughs> And I'm like, yes. Like, you know, I don't, I'll just... Yeah, it's it's female capi- money it's is good money. Well, it's only okay? worth 63 cents, Kate, so don't get carried it's away. It's called anyway. capitalism. Yeah. It's okay. You well, know, you please your market. But, you know, just to, to, to move on to one final little controversy we had here that, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of this is identity politics. And recently, Calvin, there was a... a, uh, a fan fiction panel mm. that was canceled. And what was this fan fiction panel about? It was called Fan Fiction Theater in which a comedian was going to read 
out loud some of the quote-unquote weirdest fan fiction he could find on the internet, although to his credit, he got permission to read all of them from their authors. And apparently he had done many panels like this before, and they had never caught the eye of the fan fiction reading and writing public. But apparently it did catch the eye of some influential fan who then told all her friends, hey, it looks like this panel's going to be making fun of us on a big stage at WonderCon. This is by Chris Gore. I know him. He's yeah. a great guy. Right. But, <laughs> but if you don't know Chris Gore, and you don't know he's a great guy, and you read this panel description... It does kind of sound like, ha-ha, let's laugh at what these fans are doing over here. Right. So, well, you know, so people didn't like something, and they Twittered about it, as it as people do. And the con decided that, okay, if fans don't like it, then maybe we won't have that panel. And, you know, maybe that wasn't Even fair so to Chris Gore. that point, fans obviously did like it. Well, the yeah, ones but- who went. <laughs> but... But I don't. But, but to me, you know, this is like, you know, and let's just say Chris Gore. I've known Chris Gore a long time yes. as well, and you know, the guy can be an asshole as well. So I'm not going to dissuade from that. But he is saying he got permission. I mean, this is obviously, you know, he got. He, he's actually not a comedian. I mean, he's a personality. Yeah, he yeah, used to yeah, run yeah, Film Threat Magazine. Yeah. But uh, you know, he got some uh, like voice actor friends who are going to read out the stuff. And you know, to me, the most salient point about this is like. Um, you know, we'd done this panel 19 times before at WonderCon, at other conventions, and people had not actually complained. So now maybe people are empowered to complain about it. I understand that. But it's also like, what are this, you know, it's like anyone can sit here and say, you know, Calvin and Kate and Heidi are going to talk about comics and, you know, maybe it's going to be terrible. So they but, better not do well, that. Well, I think I, okay, as someone who is involved in fan fiction culture and knows where it comes from, and I mean, I can see why people who are fan fiction people who may not have seen what Chris Gore does with it are kind of a little peeved if if they just read the description. Right. The description makes it sound like those fan fiction people are freaks. Let's read their story and laugh at it. And if you are a fan, to see fan works pointed and laughed at in public by a professional is like a bit of a slap in the face. And furthermore, it's it's because fan fiction does, generally speaking, 90% of the time when it comes up in the press, it goes one of two ways. It's you're a teenager in your mother's basement, aren't you? Or you are a sicko housewife who likes to read about people being spanked while wearing Spock ears. And so, you know, to have like a whole panel which on the surface from people who don't know Chris Gore looks like it's going to be let's read these things and make fun of you women out there who write your pervy little stories in a major convention by professionals might be something they wouldn't like at which point when they tell their friends and their friends go eh and they all say yeah let's get together on Tumblr and say it's bad or in Twitter you know then they do but I say right but this is their right but I also I've interviewed Chris Chris Gore a couple of times I mean I don't know how big of a jerk he is but you know he seemed fine enough Wait, when I yeah. interviewed him I've seen him on TV a couple of times you know he he seems like a goofy guy if he indeed and I actually didn't know this aspect of it if he actually got permission he got from permission. the authors I am not quite sure what the problem well, is, okay. except that no one is obligated to like anything. I, yeah, absolutely. And, and we're at oh, a, wait. Let, me, let me finish. Yeah, look and at a comics convention, I'm, it, it, what isn't mocked 
So I, I just find that this is one of these instances where the, the, the wonderful connectedness of the internet is being sort of turned into this weird limiting you might hurt my feelings maybe kind of thing but, and I don't think it serves fan fiction well or just a general sense of creative expression I think it's a really bad idea to like presume that your feelings are going to be hurt because people are mocking something you did because you know what if you're writing something in public, once you put, once you create something and it leaves your own little head and your little room, it doesn't really belong all to you anymore. And also, like you know, we had a bit of an argument about this, you know, or discussion about or this continued. when we were warming up, and and you know, Kate pointed out, I, I I agree. I mean, this can be called punching down, but I'm like, you know, we know punching down is not to be, you know, when you're criticizing someone who is below you on the social ladder, on the cultural ladder, on the power dynamics of society ladder, okay? I get that. But are we not allowed to criticize things that are crappy? I mean, isn't that punching down too? Well, and I'm not saying the fanfic was crappy, okay? Although I will say there's a lot of fan fiction, <laughs> which is very amusing, okay? Right. Well, I think it's that we think of fans as one pile. Fans. But the culture that goes to comic conventions is a Venn diagram, but only on a tiny sliver with the f- culture that writes fan fiction. You have a large chunk of people who like to go to conventions with professionals and professional entertainers at conventions and nerd liberties. And then you have people who are writing usually on fairly small sites um, for other people who share their interests, who are on the internet, a public forum. Yeah, on the internet, a public forum. That but anybody the, can. But but see it's. It. I'm saying it's. A, yes, other people can see it. Other people can criticize it. But but what I'm saying is that it's not the same culture. It's they are fans, but they're not the same fans. So it looks so people feel like their corner of fandom is being invaded by those people over there but, who don't get their cultural the norms, who don't that- know what they are, and they're not participating the way, say, women coming into comics yes. to read comics are. They're not participating in writing their own fan fiction. They're just laughing at us. But, okay, but I think Kate, that's what people see you know, it here's as. The thing. Well, the I, mean, way, I think that's know. why they the feel thing. that way. I understand how they feel, and I think that's... Uh, and, I, and, I, and I feel for them, but... Nobody, you, you don't have a right to not. Wait, can I just say this? The corner <laughs> invasion is exactly ever. what the people who like the killing joke are saying. Right, but the thing is that when women come into comics to read comics, they're contributing and joining that culture. They are becoming part of that culture. Whereas people who, who think fan fiction is ludicrous, they're not writing their own fan fiction. They're not part of that culture. They're not joining that culture. They don't know the cultural norms. They're just tourists who are dropping by to point and laugh. And so I can see that people would not like to be have random drop-ins point and laugh at them who are professionals at a convention on a stage in front of hundreds of people. Now, does that mean that no one has a right to do it? Sure. They can do that. They can put that on stage if they want to. 
But, you know, it's up to WonderCon to choose whether they want this panel there or not. And if people want to say, I don't like this, and WonderCon wants to listen to them, fine. If WonderCon doesn't want to listen to them, fine. But, you know, it's, I think, it's that it's when it's, even if it were fan art, or if it were fan comics, or if it were any number of fan activities done by guys, you know, it's when professionals start making fun of fans that fans feel like that's not fair. You're a pro. Why are you making fun of me? That's not fair. Well, I, I think like, it's a dangerous for expression across the board at a, at, a, at a comics convention that draws all kinds of fans, presuming who's going to be in the audience. I'm sure there are going to be fans that are fans of, his, uh, of fans fiction that will be there that perhaps are not as sensitive, as well as people who are like just looking for something to laugh. I'm, I'm not. I don't think at the end of the day this hurts anybody, but I just think it does. Uh, I don't, I don't, um, even if someone's feelings are hurt, I think they'll survive it and go back to their communities. Yes, but they I will. think it's. I think it is a grievous blow to free expression at at a big public event that draws at, uh, all kinds of people. Well, I would say that it's I think not it's a bad idea. I, just I think, think it's a really bad idea. I think. Also, I think calling this bullying trivializes bullying. I absolutely, I agree it with that. That is, that is the thing. It's like you know we have. I mean, you know, this has been such an. You know, Kate, I totally respect everything yes. you say, and I mean, I, I, I think. Calvin and I are talking from, uh, you know, I think we're seeing this generational thing right in this room because, you know, like... And I don't well, think I, the I, fan fiction writers are as fragile and also, as you're putting them on. Well, so, these are fan fiction writers who are the ones on Twitter saying this. But they all agreed to have their works read in this thing. Well, I'm, I'm saying, well, one, I don't know that the people who were on Twitter originally even knew that the people... I'm sure that, they didn't know. Yeah, the profession. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't know I'm sure they didn't know. But it's all this, it's sad enough that the con buckled under to this um i'm sure they meant well to by by canceling well i think it, what they I, I think a, a better fix a better fix would have been to if indeed the concept of the panel was not just a point and laugh to rewrite the description to more clearly show what was actually going on. I'm and, sure it was to laugh. I'm not doing anything you wrong know, with that. I think that, I <laughs> well, think we, that you know, type Chris of coming laugh. out and saying that this is a celebration of fan fiction may have been a little bit of Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Well, but Chris Gore is going to make a... I, I know what he's going to do. He's going to have some fun. They're going to yeah, have course. fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, there used to be that amazing column on Topless Robot that Rob Brigham did called Fan Fiction Friday. And I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, he did find the most outlandish you know, sadomasochistic, you know, sex with dinosaurs kind of stuff. And sure. it's, I'm sorry. It, well, you know what? I do apologize. It is funny. And, you and can, did you see the, the recent, uh, this recent feature this week where uh, ebook covers on Amazon mm-hmm. were, were, were being sent around so that people, because these covers were completely absurd and hilarious. You know but they're what? pros. No, they aren't. No, they're they're self published so, ebooks. And you know, but, but they. But let, let me, you know what? Let me say this though. I understand, like you know I what? what but, saying, but I do but... understand too. And you know what? See, but this is Calvin. I mean, I have to say, like what you are talking about again is a is a. You know, the gatekeepers aren't there anymore. It's like, you know, when you put your fan fiction out there or when you do your ebook on Amazon, you are becoming part of the part yes. of the but, but I understand what you're saying about you don't want it to be silenced. And I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that what you're saying is that, you know, people have a right to express themselves 
and uh, Tito to put out the uh, dinosaur, you know, fanfic, whatever. I, I had sex with a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I mean, if they want to do that, that's fine. That's, <laughs> but, but I don't think but, professional comic book critics should take a or a professional book critic should take fan fiction and trash it. No. But for a comedian... Well, but I, let's put it this way. I'm not saying the comedian shouldn't do it. But I am saying that if people who write fan fiction don't like it, they can go on Twitter and say they don't like I, it. I, I they can go on Twitter and I'm say saying, it shouldn't exist. I they agree. can go on Twitter and say whatever the hell what they I'm want. What I'm complaining about is the con canceling the show because some they, people said it didn't you know like what? something. Look, they did it the same thing that back, DC did with the Batgirl cover, okay? I mean, it's the same thing, only different expressions of it, but, and obviously just as with what happens when your friend is the harasser, people, you know what, when it hits close to home, you have a different attitude about it. And you know, listen to, to jump in here, it's like, but, you know, th- this is oh, okay, Kate, what on. I was going to say is, I think any panel, any panel that didn't have anyone super famous on it that got that kind of criticism ahead of time whatever it was about whatever it was about they would have pulled I think it's it's not and that's not... a sad thing to hear too well, in I... my opinion just my opinion yeah we need to yeah. yeah I don't think it's anything special about the topic or fan fiction I think that they just don't want controversy and they pull stuff right but you know I just want to say I feel like uh, you know this past week in controversy this is the one that's nearly broken me <laughs> because, you know, I believe in, in, you know, Calvin, I'm sure, again, we come from a generation that venerates free speech more than anything. Yeah. Okay. Now, I do see there is, uh, you know, a, a generation we have now which venerates not hurting feelings more than anything. I mean, and you know what? That's okay. I get that. All right. But it's very difficult. And it's what far I think more they should do. Well, but, you know what? I think. The, the, and my career is based speech, on hurting feelings. The, the best way to, 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 to deal with offensive speech or uh, is, is, is more speech. Yeah. The, the, all of the fan fiction fans just said, we want a panel so that we can do a spoken word fan fiction and celebrate fan fiction. That's what I think they should have organized about. Not shut down somebody else, but they but, should have organized a panel. You know what? Hey, it's we another, what, another kind of free speech, though, is if so, you have the right to say whatever you want and other people have the right to say you're wrong or to say, like, hey, publisher, I don't like that. You know, and, and what people choose to do with that is up to the publisher is up to the artist, is up to the convention. Like, it's, I I believe in free speech. I believe in both the right to say what you want and the right for other people to say what you're, that you're wrong. Like... I agree with that. I, what, I'm, what I agree with is, is once you say, you know, once you've had your free speech, if it's like, if you're using your free speech to kind of shut everybody else down, then I don't, I don't agree with that. No. And what, once again, I think what they should have done is organize a different panel that, that celebrated fan fiction, perhaps in whatever way that they thought was best. Well, Not I, shut somebody else down, but that's just my opinion. I think they were. If I'm being rid of That's that's great. I think what they wanted to be is not there at all. Well, that's I, and they got their wish. They didn't want it there at all, and so now it's gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I think. So they the didn't next, want. What's the next? I think they stuff didn't. That somebody just doesn't. I like think they didn't want suppress. fan fiction to be a thing at the con. I think that's what it was, and I think that whatever their interpretation of what was going on was, which may have been completely faulty, they were just expressing their dislike of the panel and quite frankly even in your generation even older people people <laughs> very or, or, and old, very older people old timers yeah. yeah have have all along said you know 
I don't like this thing. This thing shouldn't be published. This thing I don't like. Uh, I think this is a stupid panel, and there shouldn't be panels like this. Like, the, the fact that now marketers and convention runners and publishers are actually hearing it, you know, like, well, don't there, blame the fans. Well, there was a don't pa- blame the fans. There was a panel that had a lot of outcry several years ago at New York Comic Con where it's called Women in Comics with Jenna Jameson. You guys all remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we all made fun of it because, like, yeah. she was doing some kind of bio comic and yeah. we just felt that, you know, I'm sure yeah. she's really nice, okay? And... Uh, you know, starting a new and career, you yeah. as you may know, Jenna Jameson is a very famous porn star, just for anyone who doesn't know. And But we felt that it was belittling to, or I felt personally, that it was yeah. belittling to the other women on the panel. Who didn't who, know they were going to be on a panel no, with Jenna Jameson. No, they did. fun of the black panel, because it's the same dude right. every year. Exactly. But I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I want you to shut it down. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, so we all, I, I, you know, free speech is important. I'm just, I am concerned about preemptive uh, shutting things down before they've even had a chance, to, you know. And I mean, look, I understand that things that are dangerous need to be shut down. Okay, that's fine. It's like if the danger that we're facing is people's feelings getting hurt, I'm not sure that's a danger. Well, I think that it's up to the convention to make that yes. choice. And, you're and maybe they, they made the wrong decision. choice. I think they made and, a really and bad maybe, decision. You and maybe you know I've been saying all along. But, but let me. But, wait. Can I, I, I don't, just to bring this, something I just remembered. Remember how last year Comic-Con came under a lot of fire because they didn't have a harassment policy Mm -hmm. and they locked it down. Remember? They said, we don't need one. We have policies in place. Uh, Actually, I understand it's some kind of legal issue in their own mind that they wanted to follow. But, you know, like last year they shut it down, this criticism, and said, we got it. We got this. You know, this time they were very much, you know what? Sorry, we can't do this panel. And I think just in a year's time, we're just saying like... This is know, a totally different convention. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it's run by the it's same people. It's run by the same people. It's run by Comic-Con. You know, and that's what I'm just saying. It's like, you know, I've never been so just, you know, exhausted. Maybe it is time for me to retire, you know? Maybe I don't know. I just don't know anymore. And We're not uh, going to let you retire. Well, I, I, yeah, but I, I, I mean, it's like, you know, I think when everyone is uh, imputing motives and, uh, you know, context has no, no uh, meaning anymore, it's all, you know, uh, literalists, as they some have said. But anyway, you know what? I, I, I mean, I think we've said so, talked so many times about inclusion and, you know, the need to have diversity and all that sort of stuff. And... I, but it's become exhausting. <laughs> you know, when you fight every microaggression as if it was the invasion well, you know, of, uh, you know, Kuwait, I think that that it becomes exhausting. Well, you know, but the thing is that the Internet is a big place. Yes. And it's not every single person who's fighting every single fight. No. It's each individual person finds the fights that the things that bother them. It's just that there are so many people on the internet that if you're going to chase every outrage, it's a hell of a lot of them. Yes. So maybe the answer is not to get out of the comics internet, but to choose which fights you're even going to care about or look at or pay attention to. Because, you know, there are a hell of a lot of people on the internet and they all got an opinion and nobody's got time for all those opinions. Yes, that's true. That's very true. Well, you know, I don't think we've got any more time left. We don't, no. <laughs> uh, so we may have to end this right here. All right, well. Uh, but we certainly aren't going to end this discussion right no. here. Uh, it will go on. There will be more. To come. 